Welcome to the Monsters of History. I'm your host, Christian Gonzalez, and today's episode is on the real-life Jaws, or the 1916 Jersey Shore shark attacks. You know, honestly, I'm from New Jersey, and I don't know if I would have known about these shark attacks if it weren't for the movie Jaws. You know, part of the reason I started this podcast in the first place is because, well, I love history and I love horror. And anytime I watch a new horror movie or read a book in the horror genre, I always want to do my own research. And, you know, after knowing so much about Jaws and researching it and then finally watching it, I realized there was a connection between my home state and the movie, right? And so uh, New Jersey being a weird state, I admit it, you know, there's a whole magazine called Weird and Jay. Of course, it's going to inspire one of the greatest horror movies of all time. And uh, of course, it's a lot more complicated than that, but we can get into those details in a little bit. But first, we must hear from our sponsor. Also, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash the monsters of history slash support. And for as little as 99 cents a month, you can become a part of the show and help expand the research and quality of the show. As you can see, I've started doing a visual recording of this and it's kind of rudimentary, but for the time being, it'll do. You know, so in the introduction of the show, I got into the uh, origin of my relationship with Jaws. And of course, uh, I want to get more into that, right? So, uh, you know, growing up, I had a piano at home and it didn't take long to just kind of accidentally learn the Jaws theme song. I took piano lessons as a kid, but uh, just simply playing E F E F. E F E F E F E F over and over and over again. Boom, there. That's one of the first songs you can learn. And if you didn't know that, well, there you go. Now you know it. But also, uh, growing up, one of my favorite shows was uh, The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron, you know, the boy genius with the robotic dog and everything like that, right? Uh, well, there's an episode of Jimmy Neutron that is called Monster Hunt. And my friend, he is a Monsters of History E-regular. He is the one, the only metal tool. He and I joke that it's a shot for shot, scene for scene remake of the movie Jaws. And of course, you know, it's, it's not shot for shot, scene for scene, but it certainly is very similar and is clearly a parody or a spoof of it. And honestly, Uh, a homage or an homage to it right another connection that I have to or I guess association I have with the movie Jaws is of course the Universal ride that no longer exists unfortunately there was in Universal Studios uh, Florida in Orlando there was a Jaws ride 
I guess you could say it's a combination of, I don't know, the Jungle Cruise. It kind of feels like the Jungle Cruise in the fact that you're on a tracked boat and things kind of pop up at you. And there's even, if I remember correctly, an explosion as well. It was a very, very cool ride. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they got rid of it. And of course, there's the movie. You know, this is one of those movies where you remember the first time you ever see the movie. Um, the best way I could describe it, if you haven't seen this movie, is you feel like you're a part of the crew that hunts the shark, Jaws, the great white shark that is terrorizing the fictional city of Amityville on Long Island, New York, and you know, somewhat related to Amityville and the Amityville horrors, but that's a different story for a different time and maybe a different episode. But of course, there's the crew and a lot of the movie, they're in the middle of the ocean waiting for this beast, this monster to come up and you really feel like you're waiting hours and days with them in not in a boring way, but in a in a good way in a way that it feels like, oh, will we ever find the monster? And if we do, what are we going to do with it? You know, definitely one of the more memorable movies of all time, one of the classics. And, you know, that's also an interesting point in itself is that it's very atypical for a horror movie to be considered part of the mainstream. You know, very few films have actually accomplished that. Very few films have, uh, in the horror, uh, in the horror uh, genre, have actually accomplished mainstream acclaim, and Jaws is one of them. And I wish that more horror movies uh, received wide uh, critical acclaim. But at the same time, maybe it wouldn't be as appreciated. And of course, Uh, The movie by Steven Spielberg would not exist if it were not for the Peter Benchley book of the same name. And I'll supply links to both the film and the book in the show uh, show notes, Amazon links. So if you wanted to pick up the movie on Blu-ray or DVD, and if you wanted to pick up the book and read it, then there you go. If you're like me, you've watched a lot of horror movies or a lot of movies in general and say, oh... I wonder what the book is like, and oftentimes the book is better than the movie. And, you know, maybe this is your opportunity to find out. The links are down below in the show notes. Now, interestingly enough, uh, the book, the Benchley novel, is actually, uh, I guess you could say, initially inspired by a shark that was captured and I suppose killed. Uh, off Montauk on Long Island and which I guess brings us to yet another connection to the Monsters of History there is an episode on the Montauk Monster it's one of my favorites it's kind of one of the first monsters that I ever got into if you want to listen to that episode you can go on my Spotify or my, uh, my Apple or whatever you're listening to this podcast on Right, so even though the book is directly inspired by a shark uh, being captured on Montauk or in Montauk, uh, the 
there is some detail in the book and the movie that is directly related to the 1916 New Jersey attacks, which is the main focus of our episode. And just to prove that point, uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, writing uh, draws to that. It, it references it. And it's when Brody says, and I quote, look, the situation is that apparently a great white shark has staked a claim in the waters off Amity Island. And he's going to continue to feed here as long as there is food in the water. And there's no limit to what he's going to do. I mean, we've already seen three incidents, two people killed inside of a week, and it's going to happen again. It happened before. The Jersey Beach, 1916, five people chewed up on the surf. And five is actually uh, correct, and that's where we get into the details of the 1916 Jersey shark attacks. So from July 1st to the 12th, there were uh, five victims that were attacked by the shark and one of the five survived. So a 20% survival rate is not very good. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty sad actually. And the way that these people were killed, I would say, is strangely enough, somehow more gruesome than in the movie. Uh, there's only one really explicitly detailed scene in the movie, and if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it again. Uh, if you have not seen the movie, there's a link to the Blu-ray slash DVD down below. It's an Amazon link. But uh, anyway, these of course happened in 1916, which is strange to think more than a hundred years ago. When I first heard of these attacks, it was less... <laughs> way less than 100 years ago so well not way less but you know what i mean uh so the first attack was on uh july 1st and it was the victim was a person by the name of charles epting uh vasant or vasant not really sure how you would pronounce that he was 28 years old and from philadelphia and he was with his family on vacation to the jersey shore the jersey shore if you're not familiar i i realize i'm taking this kind of uh as common knowledge but it may not be the jersey shore is a very popular uh i don't know if vacation is the right term but weekend getaway week-long getaway for people from uh new york northern new jersey and philadelphia right so in fact you could even see that there are people from new york that go to certain shore towns and people from philadelphia they go to certain shore towns and a good rule of thumb is that if you go to the shore town and you're called a benny i.e bayonne elizabeth newark and new york well then that's a northern shore town and then if you're called a shoe that's a southern shore town, but that's neither here nor there. Just a little bit of fun insight, I guess. Anyway, uh, Vasant decided before uh, his family was going to go out to dinner, he was going to uh, go out to the beach and, and uh, in, enjoy the shore. And unfortunately, he was attacked. He was bitten in the legs uh, to the point where there was uh, some considerable loss of flesh and blood he was um rescued by 
onlookers and a lifeguard. And he was brought to the Engleside Hotel. And this is a very bizarre detail. Apparently, and this is according to uh, Richard Fernicola's book, 12 Days of Terror, he was placed on the manager's desk and essentially um, died due to a loss of blood. Okay, and why he was placed on the manager's desk, maybe there was a doctor in the hotel, you know, I don't know, right? But unfortunately, that is the cause of death. And it's important to note that the beaches remained open despite this attack. You know, and I don't really know what the protocol was or if there was any laws in place. I doubt it, considering it was 1916. Shark attacks are incredibly rare in New Jersey, especially. Uh, But it draws some parallels to the movie because part of the issue with the movie or the plot, I should say, with the movie, there's there's few issues with the movie, um, is that the 4th of July weekend is coming up. And that is the biggest weekend in all of Amity Island that tourists from all around the eastern seaboard come to Amity for the 4th of July weekend. And if there's shark attacks, well, they can't really have tourists going around. And notice when this happens. Uh, This is July 1st. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this was due to the fact that the Jersey Shore would have been a very popular uh, 4th of July getaway, and they didn't want to close the beaches and scare people away from the uh, attractions. Um, But anyway, after the 4th of July, on July 6th, the next victim was Charles uh, Bruder. And according to the uh, New York Times, so, you know, big newspaper reporting this, this shows that, you know, it's a big deal. Women were panic-stricken and fainted as Bruder's mutilated body was brought ashore. And it's uh, important to note that uh, Bruder was, I'm not sure if an American citizen or not, but had Swiss origins to him. He was at least at one point in his life a Swiss national. And he had a job at the Essex and Sussex Hotel as a bell captain. So someone who would have been directing the people bringing the luggage and carrying the 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 trolleys with the luggage you know and uh his mother was uh had basically a fundraiser uh as she lived in switzerland um essex and sussex by the way are counties in new jersey no doubt related to the names or the name of the hotel right i just want to make an interesting kind of insight is you know we see these fundraisers for tragedy-stricken family members even to this day you know we see gofundmes um you know all the time oh this person's uh house burnt down or this person cannot afford a funeral or this person's child was diagnosed with this disease and there's always a gofundme that always kind of sees how much they can help so this fundraising is not a rare or new concept at all It was six days later until the next shark attack and three people were attacked on the same day. Two passed and one 
uh, survived. Okay, uh, the two people who died were Lester Stilwell and Watson Stanley Fisher. Kind of an ironic name, but uh, those two were attacked and killed by loss of blood. And uh, Joseph Dunn was the sole survivor of these 1916 attacks. And it was described, again, by um, uh, Fernicola's book, 12 Days of Terror, which, again, is in the description in the show notes, as a quote-unquote tug-of-war, which is kind of bizarre. And there was another account, uh, the first killings, uh, the first killing on July 1st, uh, Vassant, uh, the witnesses said that when they were dragging him to shore, the shark was following after. Um, so, and unfortunately for, uh, for Joseph Dunn, uh, he lost his leg in the attack and he was either 12 or 14. It's hard to confirm due to the conflicting sources, but you know, 12 and 14 in the long run is a, is somewhat the same age. You know, it's that tween or young teenage years. It's adolescence, right? So uh, that's very unfortunate for him, but at least he survived. And uh, just to bring up uh, a point I brought up uh, before, just to bring it back up again, these attacks seem a little bit, to me at least, more gruesome than in the movie because in the movie and this isn't really a spoiler you kind of just see these people being you know kind of sucked down by the shark and they kind of just disappear you might see you know something floating away as a result and so on and so forth but these people were you know for lack of a better word mutilated by the shark and they didn't die necessarily in the water they died on land as they were trying to be treated by bystanders, in some cases, medical professionals. Uh, for example, um, uh, Joseph uh, Dunn was brought to the St. Peter's University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Right. So there was medical attention being uh given to some of these people right but you know these people are dying kind of like a slow and painful death which is rather unfortunate and uh this sort of changed science and the political culture in a strange way um so first the science you know scientists up until 1916 were debating whether or not sharks had the natural inclination to attack in a temperate climate. If you don't know anything about uh, New Jersey's climate, it's different than other shore areas in the United States and even in the rest of the world where if you go into that water, uh, heck, even in June, it might even still be kind of cold. Um, it's not really warm until say July, August um, in comparison to say maybe Florida or southern Italy or you know another uh, you know Mediterranean or tropical uh, environment right and so scientists were debating whether or not shark attacks could even uh, happen in a climate like New Jersey and lo and behold they could and I also want to note that 
these shark attacks, uh, we don't know if it was a bull shark or a great white. And of course, in the movie Jaws, it's, you know, portrayed as a great white shark. This also changed the political cartoons at the time. So uh, World War I was occurring. The United States had not entered the war, but there had been issues with German U-boats or Untersee boats as they are uh, in German. And then uh, all of a sudden after these attacks, these German U-boats were being portrayed in political cartoons and in posters as sharks. So that had a direct effect on the culture as this was kind of a, um, at least new uh, news sensation that was popular across the country, if not the world. Right. And so beyond science and uh, politics, the politics of war, I would say that the biggest impact that this has is uh, on pop culture, on movies, on television. And obviously, you know, the biggest impact is Jaws. There's no doubt that that's the biggest shark movie ever made. But notice what I said, the biggest shark movie ever made the fact that this is a whole category of film is really amazing i mean several sequels of jaws have been made almost none of which have seen any critical uh, success or box office success well box office success yes because you know jaws one was so good that they, you know you have to see the next one right but not to mention there are hundreds if not thousands of shark movies made and i'm not even just talking about uh you know over the time span you know because jaws came out in the mid 70s and i'm talking about maybe every three or four years there's hundreds of shark movies made and if you don't believe me just think about sharknado i don't know how many sharknado movies have been made and each one gets more ridiculous than the last. I think I've only seen maybe the first two, um, which, you know, they're so bad, they're good movies. And they're one of those movies that they were made bad on purpose. At least I think they were. And I'm, I know they are. You know, I'm not trying to insult the makers of the movies. They know what they're making. You know, it's not like they thought that they were going to make a... Hollywood blockbuster movie that would get 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. No, they they knew it's it's a a love letter, if you will, to the corny, you know, made-for-TV movies of the weeknights on the original three networks, you know, uh, like the Thursday night movie, the Monday night movie, so on and so forth, right? Um, but the sequels and the spin-offs and the ripoffs even are incredible and you know we have you know something sort of in between all this and that's you know shark week on the discovery networks on discovery plus you know the shark week every year oh did you hear oh shark week when shark week oh shark week still going on oh da 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 right so that's an incredibly popular uh, annual marathon on the Discovery Networks and now Discovery Plus with the way things are going. But the pop culture 
has really uh, blown up and changed forever because of these kind of sporadic yet uh, concise shark attacks and ones that are so unusual that they've been remembered forever. Something that may have very easily been forgotten about forever is remembered just because, you know, the stars aligned and, you know, that kind of transitions us to uh, next week's topic. You know, what are the odds that a piece of German folklore would have such an amazing a pop culture following in the United States? And I'm, of course, I'm talking about Krampus, right? So uh, next week is the 21st. Tuesday the 21st would be the next episode after this one. And it's a Christmas special, Krampus. Thank you very much for watching. If you like the show, please uh, support us. That's totally optional, but for as little as 99 cents a month, you can support the show and the quality of the show, the research, the recording, the editing will get a lot better because of the resources and time I have. Also, uh, if you are interested in any of the uh, sources I used for my research, it will be available down below. So for example, uh, the complete series of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius will be available. Uh, these are all Amazon affiliate links. So if you do uh, choose to purchase them, I will get a little bit of, you know, credit for it, you know, uh, and that will also further help the show. So if you're actually looking out for some of these things, you know, it'll help you and it'll help me, right? So Jimmy Neutron draws the book, draws the movie, and also uh, 12 Days of Terror, the book by Fernicola. It's a academic book, but, you know, interesting nonetheless. It has a mix of history and a mix of uh, science as well. So if you are a bit of a science buff, a science nerd, then you'll definitely enjoy the book. And if you're a history buff like me, then you'll also enjoy the book. Right. So thank you very much. Take care. And I will see you next week. Bye bye.